Hello everybody and welcome to, I feel like this might be the 11th or 12th episode of the Hidden Figures podcast. So today I'm really, really delighted to have, um, well actually first off I'm here with uh, my friend Dissy. I don't know what, what you call it, Ayo Dissy from, from the Dissonomics podcast. I'll say, um, I'll say hi. He said hi. Right. <laughs> and then I've got, I, I just got three young people from my from my area as well. Um, I don't know if you don't want to introduce yourself. I don't know if you're going to talk. So, my name's Tobias. <laughs> I'm Sophie. And Zach. Yeah. Um, and so today I'm really really delighted to have a special guest with me today, Paul Davis, um, Arsenal legend. Played for Arsenal for 15 years. Um, went on to coach the youth team. Um, now works in I think football. Football coaching, co- coaching football coaches. Am I right in saying that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Is that is that a yeah, good enough yeah. introduction, or is there anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, that's that's fine. I mean, I was um, that's partially correct. You oh, partially. Uh, yeah. right, my bad. Yeah, go on. <laughs> almost, correct uh, me correct still. you on the the, um, the time I was at Arsenal. I was at Arsenal as a professional footballer for eighteen years. Okay. So um, my bad. Quite particular on that because that's quite a, that's quite that's a, a really big achievement to play at level achievement. for a long period of time. Yeah, so I'm quite um, quite particular about that. So 18 years as a professional and yeah. um, just under 450 games for Arsenal. Crazy, and, um, crazy. Scoring 40 goals. So um, and there's a lot more. But yeah, yeah, of that's, course. That's that. And then at the moment, I'm doing some. Well, I'd say doing some. I've been working with coaches for a long time now, mm. so developing. The coaches in this country, yeah, um, to get better football coaches, yeah, uh, for the English FA, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, but there's been a lot in between. Yeah, I can imagine, and ho- hopefully we'll get we'll get to some of that um, in the interview now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you were born in Dulwich, right? Am I right yeah, in saying that? Um, what What was Dulwich like in the '60s and the '70s when you were growing up, and also how did you and your family end up in, in, in London in the first place? So my generation, I was born 61. Mm. So um, my mother came over from Jamaica in late 50s. Mm. Uh, leaving a family in Jamaica, she came over and had a family here. So okay. I was uh, the oldest, I was the oldest. My sister was two years younger, or is two years younger than me. And we were brought up in Dulwich. Um, my mum brought us up on her own, mm. so she had a tough time. If, if, if you can imagine coming home for, from Jamaica in the fifties, with all the issues that were going on then, mm. and probably still is going on now. But and then having children here, two young children, and having to work and to make sure we were provided for. Mm. Um, I think she she really you know did well to bring up my sister and myself in in a manner that we've turned out pretty yeah. well. So, um, you know, full credit to that generation because it was to come over to a country that they'd never been to before, start a life, but also leave a family yeah. in, in Jamaica. Yeah. Massive. Because you don't have that support system. And so what was the area like? I, I, I was born in East... Well, when I was born, I lived in East Dulwich, um, mm. which is like... I, I count as Peckham personally, but it's like it's all the same area. But what was that like, that environment like in the, well, when you were growing yeah, up? Yeah, I suppose I don't remember too much until yeah. I was around about six. Yeah, you know, um, we moved around sort of from Dulwich to Clapham, um, 
Brixton area, and then we yeah. finished up in Stockwell. I okay. remember Stockwell more than than sort of before that. Um, so yeah, I can remember from being at Stockwell around about sort of eight, six, seven, eight years of age. Yeah, um, I remember not having running, not having sort of. We had to bathe. We didn't have a bath, so we had to bathe in those big sort of um, buckets. Oh yeah. You know, and we, I remember paraffin eaters and well, I'm saying these things like yeah. you guys know you know what paraffin eaters are <laughs> no what's that oh wow so this is like uh, <laughs> it's like a heating system that is portable so it's like I suppose um, it's it's like a, a small a small uh, lamppost okay know, sort of lamppost that you see on the streets it's about that sort of size got you and, and then you put paraffin you, in it too. that's it yeah got you sort of um, fueling it yeah. to keep it warm and you can move it around the house okay, so, so if you can imagine that sort of lamp post size sort of thing that you can pick up and move around the house that's quite hot yeah and you kind of put um, fuel in it to kind of keep keep it hot yeah so that's what we use to keep the house or got the you, got room you. warm got um, you so you know those sort of things and it's really pretty basic and then we didn't have I remember the time we didn't have TV. Yeah. Um, and then when we did get a TV, it was just black and white TV. Yeah. It was a time when people didn't have phones. Yeah. Well, some people did. If you were well off and you yeah. were coming from that sort of... But the majority of working class people, which was what my mum was, yeah. she worked hard and she just done well to uh, provide for us. Um, she, wasn't, she didn't have a car, so she used to take bus. Mm. We used to go on buses everywhere. Um... So I remember, you know, it was it was a kind of tough upbringing in a way in terms yeah. of not being able to have n- sort of nicer things, yeah. to say. Um, and as you get older, you kind of realise the struggles that your parents have to go mm-hmm. through. And, you know, I look back on it now and I think, um, you know, my mum in particular did a great job with us, with all the hardships, all the troubles that she had to go through. She had to get a job, um... And looking back now, I think she probably had a tough time in her work. She probably yeah. didn't get the promotion that she deserved. Yeah, yeah. Probably didn't get the pay that she, she mm. deserved. So <clears> there's, a, you know, there's a lot of things that goes on that you don't realise when you're growing up. Mm. And it's only as you get older, you kind of... And when you have children yourself... You can start you to appreciate those things. Yeah. So uh, full credit, not just to my mum, but to that generation. Yeah. It's the Windrush generation. Yeah, right? 100%. So you guys heard about Windrush, so it's yeah. all those guys... And I think what you're doing here is quite is really quite important, so that the younger generation exactly because kind of, well, as as you're talking about how you're now getting the importance of what the Windrush generation did, it's almost we want to get the importance of what your generation's sure. now done. And along those lines, like when you right now, it's like the dream of a lot of young young kids to play play professional football, playing a professional game. Um, when you were growing up at the time. Did you were there a lot of role models in the in the league that that you looked up to that you said, "Oh, you know, I want to be like this person"? Was that a thing, or or, or were you part of the kind of generation that really broke into to football? Yeah, uh, there was there's just one footballer when I was growing up as a, a black footballer. Yeah, who was at the top of his game. Yeah, um, that I could say. Actually, no, there was two. There was there was a guy called Pele. 
Yeah, yeah. 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 It's really weird because you don't know who knows yeah, what. Yeah, so, yeah. Man, well, we definitely know, know Pele. Yeah, he's worried. <laughs> yeah. So Pele, yeah, yeah, so, arguably the best footballer. Yeah, ever. ever yeah, was a black player. So, um, and he was from Brazil. And we saw bits. So you got to remember the coverage of TV. Yeah, wasn't as big then. So yeah. you didn't really see him on TV. Yeah. We just heard about him on the radio. And got you. Maybe got little clips of him on TV. Yeah. Um, never saw him as much, but knew of him. So, and then when there was big World Cups happening, so, you know, uh, I don't remember the 66 World Cup because I was only about five, but yeah. 1970 World Cup, I would have been like nine, ten. Yeah. And that's when I really saw Pele. Yeah. He woke up and he was being televised. Yeah. And, and everybody sees him. And then, that, you know, you saw him up there and everybody's talking about him and he's a black guy. Yeah. I'm I'm nine or ten. I'm thinking, wow, this is, this, you know, this. And at the time I was playing football in my school, just kicking around. And um, I felt that this was something that I wanted to do. Yeah. The other guy was a guy called uh, Clyde Best. Uh, uh, now I'm getting some strange. <laughs> 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 so Clyde Best was another black player that played for West Ham. Yeah. Um, okay, so that's played, that's the league. Yeah. Yeah, he played for West Ham, and he was probably the only black player played in this country that mm. I can remember at that time. So it would have been um, sort of seventy again, seventy, nineteen seventy, nineteen seventy one. Yeah. And. Um, Again, they had match of the day on, so yeah. as they have match of the day on now. So that's when I was... When you get to see there. it. Go on, go on. And um, he, he was powerful just to see that one guy. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. Amongst all these all other these, guys. Yeah. And uh, he, was, he was a role model. Um, and I often think about him now because he would have been a role model for so many of guys that played. Yeah. Ian Wright and Garth Crooks and yeah. so many others would have watched him play yeah. and would have... Been that inspiration. So I was definitely those two guys would, yeah. would definitely have been a kind of role model. Although I didn't see them a lot, I knew yeah. they were there. But the, the fact that they were there was me, enough. It gave me inspiration. And so, like, when did you realise that you were special? Like, how did you go from this kid in South London to becoming like playing playing for Arsenal, just becoming a well, yeah, playing for Arsenal. Well, it just started off really just like I say from about nine years of age. Just kicking around because we, we lived in an, an estate near Stockwell, just off uh, the Wandsworth Road. I don't know if you know that kind of yeah, area. Yeah. And um, it's an estate, and had, we had little green bits of grass that we could play on. So we yeah. lived in a block of flats, and I used to go down and just kick around myself. Just used a football. I used to kick around in the house. My mum used to go mad. Yeah. And uh, and I just used to play football on my own. And then when I got to um, junior school at 11, and uh, started playing for my junior school yeah. at age 11, I could see that I was pretty good amongst all the other guys. Yeah. And my sports teacher at that age kind of encouraged me to kind of just, you know, you know believe in yourself mm-hmm. and just push on and, and just, just, you know, do your best. So around about 11... I kind of felt that I could compete in this arena yeah. with, with my with my peers, um, and then I joined a, a local Sunday team uh, around about same age, really 11, 12. And so you played. I played 
every Sunday for this local team. And I used to be a striker back then. Yeah. And I scored goals, just like scoring yeah. goals and I scored loads. Yeah. I remember, I still got some of the cuttings, right? And I've yeah. got like, Paul Davis scored six goals. Okay. Paul Davis scored seven <laughs> goals. Scoring goals for Bantos. Like, we see games 12 nil. Yeah. 12 nil, so. But that was fun. That was like, you know, you just play for fun. You just, yeah. So that was every Sunday from the age of 10, 11. And then I was playing for my school um, on, on a Saturday. So two games over the weekend. Mm. And um, really enjoying it. All, all the games were around London, Kennington and... and um, Peckham and yeah. uh, you know all around London, Battersea, um, and I just felt at that early age that you know if I can really dedicate myself to to this, this is a way out of where we were. This is like we you know we weren't a well-off family, and yeah. was just uh, doing well to keep keep us together. So. And I knew I, if I did well enough, I could make a good living and then look after myself and my family. Mm. So that was that was quite a That's motivational a part of it, just to um, to have a good sort of lifestyle. So that's where it all started. And then how how did you end up at Arsenal? Then? So I ended up at Arsenal. So around about thirteen years of age, I I was playing for the district. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they still have these now. So yeah. you can play for South London District against North London. Yeah. So yeah. you're representing South London now. So it's quite a big area. Mm. And then you're playing pe- people over in North London. You're playing people up in Sheffield, perhaps. If you get through to the later la- 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 yeah. and so. Mm. So we ended up playing. Uh, I ended up playing for South London, and, and then we ended up travelling around the country, just playing against other um, districts. Yeah. But uh, I got spotted playing for South London over at um, in Dulwich, a place called Bel Air Park yeah. in Dulwich. Um, and what happened was I was playing on sat- Saturday morning and my mum couldn't come and watch because she, she had other things to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to make my own way there, find my own way back. For, you know, 13 years of age. I don't know if kids do that now. I suppose they do. But I see, um, I see a lot of kids getting taken to various places by their parents. Mm. But I actually feel that it built up my resistance and my resilience to actually mm. do it myself because mm-hmm. my mum couldn't do it, so mm. I had to do it. If I wanted it bad enough, I would do it. So so the game was um, um, for the district and it was on a Saturday morning and it's, I was playing the game and then after the game, uh, uh, somebody... A man came up to me and, and said, "Are your parents here?" I said, "No." And then he said, "Well, we need to speak to your parents." I said, "Well, who are you?" He said, "Well, we're Arsenal scouts." Oh, <laughs> and who were Arsenal at the time? Like, sorry, I was born in the nineties. I really don't know in the eighties because you joined around nineteen eighty, right? Am I right in saying that? I, I joined Arsenal in seventy seven. Seventy seven. So what what was the profile of Arsenal Football Club at the time? Mm. Yeah, no, it's a big club. Mm. It's a big club. It's like it is now. I suppose. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a big big club. So, and uh, I missed the part of the story. I supported that. So I started supporting Arsenal when I was about eleven. Okay. Right. So yeah. So <coughs> yeah. So it's, um, it's it's your team. Yeah, yeah. it's my team. Yeah. So uh, it was. I never. I wasn't able to go and watch them because it was too. It was too much money. It was yeah, too far. Too far. Away and, but that was my team, and um, 
So I had a, a scout in front of me saying that he's from Arsenal. Yeah. And, would, uh, and can he speak to my parents about me going down there to, to trial, basically have a trial. And, you must have been so uh, gassed. Yeah, it was a <laughs> feeling, yeah. You know, I was 13, this guy's talking to me and he's saying... And I suppose, I think what happened is that uh, he must have given me his card. I took it home to my mum, explained to my mum that, you know, this is what happened. And, and she was okay. She wasn't so sure. Yeah. Back then, I'm not sure if it's the same now. Your mums want you and your parents want you to get an education. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was the thing for my mum. You know, yeah. You get education. And I'm thinking, oh, this is... Arsenal, awesome, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, Crazy. Um, she didn't really get where I was going, but she went with it. Mm. And then, um, I remember Arsenal actually coming round to where we live. Oh, for real. And, just, just to explain to us the procedures and mm. you know, what, what what would be happening. So basically, I was on trial for a period of time okay. from, from that point on, and uh, I used to travel from Stockwell up to the Arsenal training, um, which was at Ivory. Yeah, and um, yeah, I started there really. So it kind of that was the beginning of it. Um, so once I was there, I thought, you know, this is an opportunity. Yeah, I've got not letting go of that. Can't let go of it at all. And uh, if you don't mind me asking, mm-hmm. a bit of a personal question: mm. What was your wages at the time? And like, what do you think about the wages that young players are getting now? Do you think it like has an impact on their hunger or their drive or anything? Like that? It's a two. I suppose uh, yeah. when I first started out, our wages was it's not comparable. I mean, yeah, our wages, you know. It would have been probably around about, as a professional, probably about 150 a week. Seriously? 150 pounds a week. Is that crazy? Yeah, that would have been... It was on like 300k a week. It's just changed. It's crazy. That's, that's, that's probably what it was uh, when I first signed. But yeah. Then, Obviously, as time went on, on yeah. It, you know, the money side of it did get a lot better. How was that comparatively with other, like, jobs? Um, That's a good question. Yeah, I think, I think it, was, it, was, it was a good wage back mm. then. Mm. It was a good wage, but it, it, it doesn't compare with what that was. Yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. But in comparison with, like, a, you know, another job, banking or whatever, mm. insurance, if you're in insurance, I think, I think it was, uh, you know, a reasonable wage. Um... And what yeah, do you think about, yeah, yeah, yeah. How do, how do you feel about? Do you, do you think yeah that them getting so much money actually has like a really big impact on, especially as young? I mean, you're hearing about like sixteen year olds on 20, mm. 20, yeah. 20, 30 grand a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm all for. I, I don't mind if the money's there. Yeah, it's got to go to the artists for me. Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. how that's how it is. They're they're the ones producing. So yeah, you know, it's like it's like the singers. I think. Um, you know they've had issues with not getting money. They they're the ones that write the song and sing it. So mm. you know they should get the yeah. money. Um, it shouldn't go to the record companies or anybody yeah. else, the management companies. Really, they should get some, but not but sure. No, it should yeah. go to the p- people that actually. And I, I feel that about footballers. Yeah. So you know if the money's out there and if it's, if it's coming into the game, then it's got to go to the, the footballers. I do feel that it's gone too far now. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's like some of these wages that I'm hearing is just, it's just madness. I don't know how people can actually, you know, live off of that. Yeah, yeah, literally. Like. Did that, so much. Did that money make a lot of difference to your family at the time? Uh, I think um, it wasn't that much to sort of change our lives, but it was a comforting feeling to know that you know there was a regular decent amount of money coming mm-hmm. in. He was able to kind of. Um, it didn't really change our life at the beginning and I don't suppose it even changed it right at the end really we are comfortable but it, there's, a, there's a just a comfort feeling to know that you've got a good decent wage coming in each week yeah, yeah. Um, but having said that you know a sportsman's um, uh, career is almost it's just contract to contract isn't yeah. it like, so my contracts were two year contracts so every time it was coming to the end of that two years, I didn't know whether the club were going to sign me. Yeah. yeah. Game, so you're always on that kind of... It's a waiting game. Huh? It's a waiting game, yeah. 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 Um, so I know your first match was the derby game against Spurs. Am yeah. I right in saying that? That's right, yeah. yeah. so mm. one, how did you find out you were going to be playing? Mm. And two, what was the actual match like? Mm. And then three, what, what was the derby atmosphere yeah. like back then? So... Um, the derby game against Spurs, so Spurs is our biggest rival. Yeah, of course, of course yeah. people, people that know, know football will know that. So, um, And I didn't know I was playing in that game until about two hours before the game. Oh, seriously? Yeah, so it was quite <laughs> First early. match? First match, yeah. <laughs> and how old are you? I was ready, time? I was ready, because I was, I was about, I was 17. Okay. Really? Yeah, 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 17. And um, I was I was ready because it was, you know, like I say, from the age of thirteen when I first joined the club, I really kind of just this is where I want to get to, and so I, you know, I progressed from obviously through the age groups, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. So at sixteen, um, they sign you as a, they decide whether they're going to sign you on an apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, so I, I left school and signed an apprenticeship for Arsenal. For two years, they give you a two-year apprenticeship. So I signed an apprenticeship at 16. But in the first year of that apprenticeship, the club came to me and said, look, we want to sign you as a professional. Mm. Wow. So well, I kind of knew I was in going yeah. in the right direction because yeah. they didn't need to do it in that first year. They could have yeah, waited the wait second, second year. So they signed me a professional in the first year and I was, I was confident and I was pushing... So by, by the age of 17, I suppose I was 17 and a half when I played my derby mm. game against Spurs. And um, it was amazing. Yeah, it's just, it's just your dreams just come through right yeah. in there for you. So, um, yeah, I knew two hours before the game. Didn't have time to really get nervous. The manager just named the team um, a couple of hours before. I was in the squad of yeah. 18 players, but I didn't know, we didn't know who was going to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, when he named the team. So, there were no mobile phones those days. So oh, yeah, yeah. So you can tell me. Anybody, so no, <laughs> Crazy, I never thought They didn't know. They didn't Crazy. Really know. I, couldn't, I don't think they knew I played until afterwards. There's nobody there, family-wise. Yeah. Was there still not as much media coverage at the time of your first game? There was, there was afterwards, but it wouldn't have been... Before really, and because it was so so late, it was actually you know two hours before. Yeah, they didn't have time to kind of 
But w- once people found out, did you become like a bit of a hood celeb or anything? Or not, not, not really. Like, did people in the area like know yeah. you as the football player and it's like yeah, she's did, actually yeah. made it and stuff like that? On the estate, knew I was at Arsenal from the age of thirteen. Yeah, kind of, I think people followed what I was doing, and after that game, I think people really kind of just took more notes about what I was doing. Mm. And I think, um, yeah, it was it, it was good for the community as well because mm. somebody was sort of doing who was doing well, it, yeah. yeah, doing well. And I think it lifts people. You know, makes people feel good, and that they know somebody that's doing well and yeah. is in the area. So, um, but the actual, the actual game itself is um, it was uh, like derby games when you're playing your your most fierce rivals. Yeah, are really quite the tense games are very physical. Cause yeah. And I gather it was a lot more physical back then than, oh, yeah, than yeah. the league now. The games yeah. now, I see the derbies now. And yeah, is that what's going on? People back there, and they used to crunch into some tackles. Yeah. And it, the ref just played on. And yeah. Just get up and just dust yourself down and just get on with it. And that's how that's how we played back then. And um, But we, we ended up winning that game 2-1. Yeah. And I got some good reviews in terms of the media giving me good write-up mm. how I played. So, you know, that, that was a good thing for me and my confidence. Um, and people knew about me, the wider mm. sort of footballing public. Well, yeah. sort of knew a bit more about me. So, yeah, it was it was a great, great time in my professional career to... And even now, people refer back to that game. Yeah. And, you know, to say that you played your first game for Arsenal against your biggest rivals yeah. and beat them. At 17 as well. 17. It's it crazy. It's quite quite a thing congrats for that thank you um, so one of my former guests he, um, he he's he's, a, he's actually a church pastor now mm. um, but he was telling me a time when he went to I think it was Spurs versus um, Spurs versus Chelsea and Chris Hewton was just getting it from from all the fans that just mad racial abuse and stuff mm. um, I'm wondering what what well how much of that did you experience at the time mm. um, and how do you feel all these years later? Uh, Obama Young had a banana thrown at him like a month mm. ago. Um, and I know you're involved in Kick It Out, but mm. um, how do you feel that all these years later, these things are still happening? But also, could you could you tell us a bit about what it was like then, uh, if that was something you personally experienced mm. at times, often, yeah. all the time? I mean, it, it, it's, uh, it's sad to see that it's still happening now. Yeah. Um, but back then, it was a lot, lot worse in terms mm. of the volume. So as a black player, I'd go to playing for Arsenal, so I'd be, I was regular in the Arsenal team. So after that first game at yeah. 17, it took me a while, a couple of seasons to get a regular spot yeah. in the team. So it wasn't until I was probably about 19 that I was regular playing in the Arsenal team. And we obviously would travel... To places around the country, mm. some places. <laughs> you know, it's uh, tough. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah London. To be fair, to be fair, West Ham was tough. Yeah, yeah. Because there's certain parts Shock. of London. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, some yeah. parts of London. I don't know if it's so for you guys. If yeah, you no, it's so, <laughs> yeah. So in London, oh, I mean, I could name them really. There's a lot. There's Chelsea. Chelsea was bad. Yep. Yeah. Chelsea, <laughs> West Ham. Yeah. Um, uh, Millwall was tough. Yeah, Millwall. <laughs> <laughs> still know that today. Still tough, yeah. So uh, those 
those three, the first three that come into my mind in yeah. London. But then when you go further afield, you know, places like Everton, Liverpool, yeah. mm. Newcastle, Sunderland. Um, Just naming the entire Premier League yeah, now. Yeah, particularly mm. bad. They're the ones yeah. that kind of resonate in my mind. Uh, that, and when you say bad, like what, what was happening? Well, so, well every time you, you touch the ball on the pitch, there was, a, you know, 80% of the crowd would just be booing and making wow. monkey noises. For and, real, yeah. Just try to put you off your game, just but the the the, the number of people yeah. would that would be on you would be phenomenal. You know, eighty eighty percent. So we had like we get crowds of sixty thousand watching us. Yeah, you know. So you, you know, yeah, for eighty percent of the crowd, that's yeah. just, yeah. the scary thing is the scary thing. These people still have season tickets. Now. Yeah, it's true. That's what mm. we don't understand. Yeah, they still true. have season tickets now, but obviously the environment has changed. Probably a bit less socially acceptable. Yeah to do so now but it's funny the clubs you mentioned many still have issues now like even yesterday there was a video of Millwall fans saying some racist things towards like Everton fans and it's crazy how you would how many 20, 30 years later we still have almost similar issues obviously not as bad yeah it has has improved in terms of you know more people are aware of it now and they're trying to do do stuff to try and you know uh, push it out but um, back then, you know, so I've been involved, you know, I've been involved in the game from that sort of time and seen it develop and change and adapt to where we are now. So I'm, I kind of got a good picture of the landscape and where we are with it. There's still a long, long way to go, mm. a long way to go. Mm. We've, we've come a certain way. Did, um, it, did it ever make you want to stop playing? No, never. But I think it made me more determined to mm. get even further. I think there's so one of one of the biggest sort of uh, picture in my mind around that sort of time was um, so I was the only black player playing for Arsenal back then. Mm. We're talking about early early eighties mm. from eighty yeah from nineteen eighty onwards, and there wasn't many black players around. Most of the other clubs weren't didn't have any black players apart from West Brom. You've heard of Lloyd Cunningham and, yeah. and Cyril Regis yeah. and uh, Brendan Batson. So those three guys were playing in uh, for West Brom yeah. in the Midlands. Yeah. So they were they were they were up there. There's myself at Arsenal down in London. There's um, Paul Cannonville. It's a great story. Yeah. If you ever get a chance. Listen, I'm trying to interview everyone, so if you can plug me in with people, I'd, I'd be more than uh, happy to. You know, you've got to speak to Paul Cannibal. I'd he be more was, than happy to. Have you heard of Paul Cannibal? Mm. No. You've got to try look him up. Right. He's um, He played for Chelsea back then. Okay. And he's got a story. Okay. He's got a story, because so many things happened to him. Mm. I mean, I, I feel fortunate in a way. I, I've, listening to his story, I, I was a little bit protected where I was. Arsenal... Arsenal was a club I didn't feel as though it was an institutional thing. Mm. I didn't feel as though there was anybody, particularly from the club, that was Try, trying down to on hold me you down, yeah. because of my colour. Mm. It was, you know, fans from other clubs. Yeah. Uh, I felt. And so I felt kind of a little bit protected in terms of that. So I was, gonna, I was gonna, literally going to ask mm. you how did the clubs back then protect it? Did they even protect their players? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there was there would be things later on that happened, so um, situations sort of in the mid-80s, so <coughs> a few years down, the road would happen, and 
Um, things like, uh, I suppose it'd be fans shouting abuse at, at you mm. and you would go to your club after the game or go to an official after the game or even during the game and say, look, what's going on there? But everybody just wanted to kind of just... Yeah, brush it under the carpet, off, you know, yeah. Just The thing would be, um, don't worry about, you know, they're just ignorant people. Yeah. You just, you, you just, just carry on football, with, yeah. Yeah, You just carry on with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't stop them from doing what they're doing. You know, is that is that, is that the sort that was of mentality, yeah. You know, um, uh, or there would be. I, I, it's funny. I, I maybe was racially abused on the pitch, but blacked it out because mm. I, I can't believe that I played all those years and I can't remember too many times a, pl- a fellow player, a fellow player one to one. Yeah, um, I remember one player did it uh, verbally. Um, calling me monkey and all this sort of stuff. I remember one player, but other than that, I don't remember any other player. Yeah. But I can't believe that that would have been the case. It must, it must have been, but yeah. I was just so focused focus. on the game, yeah. That things are just kind of... Yeah. I guess out. if you're used to zoning out the fans, it yeah. did, to some extent, you yeah. probably deal out with the players as well. So, yeah, so when, when people ask me, so you must have got loads of abuse from other players, and I'm thinking, actually, I, I don't yeah. remember it. If I did, I don't remember. I remember one... And I've, I, I, I kind of fronted him up and just said, "Look, you can't, you just can't do that." And he was quite. He was. He kind of. Uh, people do it out of anger. They kind of just backtrack yeah. a little bit. But um, you know, I, I feel there was some times where, because um, um, I was surrounded by just white guys in the changing room. Yeah. You do feel just a say little some bit, wild things there. Yeah. yeah, there was some jokes going around and. You feel him, and then I don't know if you do. You have those uh, Afro picks still now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got here, a brush yeah. on him now. Yeah. I'm quite Afro picks. Oh, Afro pick, <laughs> and they used to kind of. And a couple of times I just put. I don't know. I look back on it now and I think, boy, you were brave just to mention it, let alone trying yeah. to change their ways because you outnumbered it. Mm. Yeah. So, I, and there's a couple of times I kind of pulled up a couple of older guys, older professionals in, mm. in my squad, and said, look, I don't don't like I don't like that job. Mm. Please don't say that again. And they used to say, uh, "Oh, come on, it's only a joke. You, know, yeah. you, can't, you can't take a joke." And I said, "No, just don't. Yeah, it's just don't. not a joke to me. So yeah. <laughs> don't, don't. If you don't mind, just, just don't." And they kind of, oh, you, they used to kind of, they didn't, they didn't see the severity of it. And how yeah, made you feel. Um, but to be fair, look back, looking back, they did. There was only a couple of them. To be fair, yeah. they just they did kind of. Old back, on, back yeah. on that sort of stuff, but um, they used to say we had, I had a chip on my shoulder because yeah. I was. That's what they always say, yeah. Yeah, I've got a chip on my shoulder. I just don't respect what you're trying yeah. to do. It's not. It's not. It doesn't make me feel good. It's not right. But um, the Paul Carnival thing was that he he got it from not the away. Well, he got it from the away supporters, but yeah. he got it from his, his own supporters. Yeah. And I remember playing against Chelsea one of the f- first couple of years I played. And Paul, I was in the team for Arsenal at, Stam- at Stamford Bridge. Paul was, Paul Carnival was on the bench for Chelsea. Yeah. And we're the only two black players. I'm on Arsenal's team and he's on Chelsea's bench. And um, I'm getting booed and all the noises from the Chelsea supporters when yeah. I touch the ball. Yeah. And um, sort of late into the game, I see Paul warming up yeah. to come on. 
and I hear all this booing noise and monkey noises. But it's not coming from the Arsenal fans. Well, maybe from some of it was coming yeah. from the Arsenal fans, but most of it was coming from, from the Chelsea, Chelsea fans. Yeah. And I remember thinking, oh my God, it's this is player. like serious. Yeah. It's like, I, how is he going to get through this? Because this is the, uh, you know, if your own fans are doing it, yeah, you exactly. have some kind of mentality to get through that. Um, and he didn't, in the end, his story, it broke him down. He, he played a few games for Chelsea, but his career yeah, kind of went in it. But if you get a chance, you yeah, I'll definitely look him up. It's, it's a I'll fascinating story. In fact, they're talking about making a film of his. Oh, seriously? Of his I'll definitely love to get in touch with him. It's, it's have, have him on the podcast. Story, amazing story. But I, and I know Paul, because obviously we played in the same era, yeah. roughly the same age. And I stayed at Arsenal and managed to make a career there. But his career went went down mm. and it was all around the racial yeah. stuff and the stuff that he was getting from his fans but you have to be you have to be mentally strong yeah. anybody anybody asked me about my football career and what I've done in football it's through the me- mental side of things I yeah think. Um, obviously you have to have the talent yeah you have of course, to have something yeah. there but it's, it's you've got to be strong upstairs yeah, yeah. So it's, a, it's a mind game do you think that was the game. do you think that was the hardest thing about your career which part the the um, the what the just having the mental strength to get through all that stuff like mm. the racism and everything. Yeah, I think I think I think we have to have to find a way. I don't know how you guys, if you come across any stuff or yeah. racism in your day to days, you know, just day to day stuff. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Work. Um, and you got to find a way to deal just with to it because it's there. It's just how you deal with it. It's and I, I often. And the other thing was, you know, you talked about role models before. Yeah. And I think they're really, they are really important. People talk about them all the time. Um, but my role model should be my dad. My dad should have been around mm. to kind of just lead, but he wasn't, he wasn't around. So mm. I kind of, you kind of feel as though you're missing out somewhere psychologically. So there's a mm. thing there. So you just got to find, find a way yourself, I don't know, watch people that are doing well, follow people that are doing well. It's easy. It's easy to go down the bad path if mm. if if you're not getting the support or you don't feel as though you can go to people. So I, I don't know. I just felt that um, I wanted something so badly. I wanted to be a professional footballer so badly. I was going to do everything that was right to get there. And anybody that was going to try and stop that right. happening, I wasn't. I wasn't going to fight people. I was just going to ignore those people. And just keep on going. Just blank those people out and just try and keep on yeah. going. So, so I think a lot of self-talk is is something. Is so, talking about that, mm. uh, and I hope you don't mind me asking that. Mm. Talking to you now, you seem like a really calm guy, even yeah, from what you, you're recollecting. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you break uh, Glenn, Glenn Cockrell's jaw that time? Um, yeah. And how do you feel about the punishment? Like mm. it was unprecedented from what I understand. Um, at the time, yeah. um, I think you, you you got a nine game ban, yes. fine. And then also, do you think that impacted on your career ever or your chance of playing for England? Yeah, it, I think that episode was unfortunate in my career because it came at a time where I was really on the verge of breaking into the England team. Mm. So I was around about twenty seven, twenty eight, and what happened was for those. I don't know the story I was playing in a particular game um, 
I came up against an opponent who was particularly aggressive mm. um, in terms of his challenges and and um, his physicality. Mm. Um, but the truth of the matter, it wasn't none of it was racial, and okay. so <coughs> everybody thought it was racial yeah. because it was a black player against yeah. a, uh, you know white player. It was, but. You know, to be fair to him, it wasn't racial, but I retaliated yeah. on what he was doing. Because um, it was off the ball as well. Like, I was watching the video last night and I didn't even see it. And yeah. it... I retaliated to what he'd been doing and eventually I got I was the one that mm. got uh, I got banned, I got fined. Um, Did he not have any repercussions for it? So yeah, didn't... did anything happen to him? No, nothing happened yeah. to him, no, no. Mm. But that taught me a lesson. That kind of said, you know, when you retaliate, it's, yeah. you're, you're the one that's going to get it. Yeah, you're, you're always going to be the one that's going. It just proves I've watched incidences after that, and it's always the one that retaliates. Retaliates, yeah. It. So, yeah, that was a time in my career where I, I lost uh, financially because I was fine yeah. quite a lot, heavily back then. Yeah. Uh, I missed games. I missed eight games, nine games at the time when I should have been sort of playing up, yeah. and playing for England and um so that was a tough that was a tough period. I kind of it was it was it was over a period of probably three months yeah. know, from when I was banned to when I was not able to play and then I came back and that kind of shook me up a bit. I, so I felt it was so you know it, I was wrong to retaliate yeah. but there was a reason for it but they didn't take any of the yeah. reasons into Doesn't matter. So, um, yeah, it was, you know, you, you things happen. If it, you know, I wouldn't recommend retaliating <laughs> <laughs> because you're the one, when it comes to show, it's going to yeah, get... Yeah, it's going to come down. And so on, on a much lighter note, or on a much more positive note, um, I know you played uh, in the finals and won the double in 93. Um, I, I think you won two league titles as well. Mm. Um yeah. You know what? What's it like winning a trophy after after such a long season? Mm. You're fighting so many different. Um, you're fighting a battle on so many different fronts. Mm. Um, what was that like? And what other? Tro- I don't know if those are the four. Do you won some other trophies in your career. Yeah, it's, well, there's five major trophies that we won. Yeah, uh, we won. You could say if you put it like we won the Premier League twice. Yeah, because that's what it was back, back then. Premier League twice. We won the FA Cup once. Yeah. Um, we won the European. Well, they call it a different name, but let's say the Europa Cup. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Europa yeah, Cup, yeah. so let's say we won that. And then the other one was like the League Cup now, which is the Carabao, Carabao Cup. Carabao yeah. So that's that's the five. Obviously, the two the two out of that would be the, the Premier League. Two yeah, Premier of course, League yeah. Ones, which were, yeah, and that, yeah, to win that is, is what what you want to, is what every footballer wants to play for, win, yeah. yeah. is what you play for, so... Yeah, winning those and those season during the, during the season, going through all the ups and downs and all the yeah. trial and tribulations and the heartache and um, yeah, they're, they're great memories to have. Um, they're great because even now you you know what it feels like. You've been through that mm. those situations and even when you watch any sport on TV now, you've, you 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 can relive that. It, it gets yeah, you, I can you imagine because you've been there yourself. Mm. So. It, Lives with you. All those kind of things live with you. And we had some great times. We had we had some good players. I know a few guys have 
Dave Rodecastle. Yeah. Yeah? 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 Oh, hmm. good. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Thomas. Yeah. No. He, he, oh, right, he's probably right. going to know more Michael than I think. Yeah. You're Arsenal and all. You just no, 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 but I don't. That's fine for football. Good for you, guys. So these are guys that, you know, they, they're in Arsenal's history because yeah. they've done big, big things. They're black guys. Yeah. Well, Rodecastle comes out of Peckham, I think. Oh, sorry. Um, there's a lot, and Michael Thomas comes out of Stockwell. Oh yeah. So there's a lot of guys coming from sort from of inner South London, London area, yeah. and even now, even some of the younger England guys are coming from, yeah, you know, Sterling like, from Northwest London. Sterling and um, yeah, that's right. He's from and then uh, Sancho, Sancho's from South London. There's a few oh, yeah. in and around these yeah. areas, so. You know, they're coming from the same sort of areas, and mm. maybe it's the same drive that I had that they they got. Mm. I don't know. Um, I'm conscious of time because mm. I mean, I know you can't be here for too much longer. Um, about fifteen minutes. All right. Um, recently, has come in for Manu, and he's made like a massive change. You can see the whole team's lifted. We're winning games. Um, you could say for the first half of the season when Emery came in as well, um, there was a real change, real change in the atmosphere and so on and so forth. But aside from that, I think, especially when you look at the Solskjaer thing, um, a lot of the issues it appears to be were between Mourinho and the players. Um, I know that you went through a time when you weren't seeing eye to eye with the manager. Mm. Um, how kind of, how much does that, and I know you were dropped for quite a few mm. games as well, how much does that actually impact you as a player? On a day to day, how how can if you, having a new manager in and mm. having that that good rapport? Because obviously you've always got the talent, mm. um, but how much does having a good rapport with the manager make a difference on the pitch? Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think whatever you do, you've got to try not to fall out of your manager. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've just got to try and find a way. And I learned from my experience. I fell out with my manager, George, George, George Graham. George Graham, yeah. We fell out, and the manager Would you fall out with everyone was. It was. It. It was just around tactical stuff mm. he wanted me to do, and I, I wasn't, I just wasn't enjoying what he's asking me to do. Mm. After a while, I thought, you know, I would just, just get on with it. I'd tell him, yeah. You know, he didn't take to it too well when yeah. I told him, and so struck you. struck struck me out of the the squad. So it's kind of that kind of thing could happen back then to players. Managers had total control yeah. of the situation so a similar situation really now is with Pogba with Pogba yeah. and Mourinho yeah. it was similar to my situation but Pogba it's a different yeah he's got a lot more now. power yeah, now yeah. it's a different landscape now Pogba's just, just got as much power as Mourinho in terms of the social, social news and all and stuff, that sort yeah. of stuff so I had a situation where I was with my manager but the manager had the power I didn't yeah, have the power yeah you couldn't really do anything about and it and he kind of just crushed me in in terms of um, leaving me out of the team and not playing me. Um, uh, and it was a tough, that was another tough period. Yeah. Um, so how'd you, how'd you work your way back in then? That was, yeah, so basically what happened, we fell out, me and George Graham fell out. He just popped me to Pocky, one side. Yeah, literally. Uh, he'd pick other players ahead of me. He'd pick people that weren't even in... Their right position ahead yeah. of me. How did your teammates react to that, though? Yeah, yeah that was that was an interesting one because they, you know what, I haven't never really spoken to them about it afterwards, but they just kind of just carry on. Yeah. <clears throat> you got to because it's I don't know, it's just business, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it is what it is. In yeah. a way, did you don't fall out with your teammates over that? 
Say again. Did you not kind of fall out with your teammates from that or no? Yeah, it's a good one because I I thought I thought that because um, what what would happen would I I'd be parked over there training with like the young kids. I'm 28. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put, putting with the kids just to train over there and first all of where I should be. Yeah. Training there and they're going off and they're playing games and doing okay and something. And I'm over there, I'm not travelling, he's he's not talking to me or anything, mm. no communication going on. Just saying that you're over there. And the kids are thinking what's going on because they don't really know the true story mm. and I'm not telling them yeah. because it's, it's it's kind of private. But um the first the guys in the first team, they're not really asking either. It's kind of they probably think it's a, a personal thing and it's mm. private, and they don't want to get involved. And but yeah, I, you as a person, you probably want. I'm probably thinking, why ain't anybody coming to me to see what's mm. going on? And that's probably taught me a lesson. In, in I, I think I've learned a lot through those kind of experiences. Going as you get older, so I think I learned from that is that. Unless you ask people for stuff, you don't know what's going mm. on. Unless you question, and and you've got to do it in a balanced way. Yeah, around what, um, So I think from that experience, one of the things I learned is that you know if, if I see somebody, and you know I'll ask them a question: mm. you know, How are you feeling? What's happened there? Mm. And, and from there, it can lead to something else. Mm. Um, so yeah, what I've try, always tried to do is pick out for even from the bad situations that happen in your life you've got to try and mm, salvage something from it that's going to take you forward so I've yeah. tried to do that but um, yeah that period again was a tough period so I was with the kids for two, 18 months yeah 18 months and the manager was telling the press that because people started to ask questions. Yeah, understandably. Like, yeah, because yeah. I'm the main player in yeah, the team. Yeah, you're a fan favourite as well, yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm out of the team. So fans, fans and everybody started saying, well, where's Paul? What's up? He would say to them that he's injured or he's out of form. Mm. Oh, seriously. Did you ever and think I, of yeah, think, <laughs> asking for a transfer? So I'll come to that in a minute. He said... Uh, um, so yeah, so all, all, all the public and all the fans are just hearing that side of the story. You've got to remember back then as a player you can't you can't there's yeah. no media you social media like that yeah. there's no social media you, <coughs> it's frowned upon to talk to the press you can't it's just a, um, it's, actually I think it's probably in some of the contracts back then that you couldn't speak to the press unless you go through your manager mm-hmm. so you know my mouth is, is gagged I can't say anything and got all this propaganda stuff going on that he's injured he, he's, he's lost his form he's but the real reason is that we're just falling out. Yeah. He doesn't want to play me. So, so the comparison is is proper, really. Yeah, literally, yeah. Literally, as so. Midfielder um, as well. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, eighteen months. I look back on that time and I think that's eighteen months. A footballer's career is, if you're lucky, yeah. fifteen years. Yeah. So that's like two years. That's how I look chunk, at it. Yeah. I look. I feel really. I feel. Um, it, 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 it was painful at the time going through that because I knew that as years go on you look back on it because two years so I pay, I look at it now so I played 450 games for Arsenal those two years if I'd have played I'd have been up to 500 mm-hmm. so when you're in that bracket of 
yeah. games faster than you and another... That's that like super elite. Yeah, yeah. It's super elite. Level. Yeah. So I kind of look at it like that. I've lost like 50, 60 games where I could have been 500 plus games for Arsenal, mm. which not many people have done. Yeah. Mm. And I hope 450, I'm, I'm That's happy. a bigger achievement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. let's not underplay that. <laughs> I'm happy, but you kind of look at things like that. Um, but that's how managers back then would treat their players if, if you know, a player disagreed or you fell mm. out. The manager had all the power. Mm. The player just had to kind of just have a lump. The question about um, transfer, I did in the end after about 12 months I went and knocked on his door and said look this, this ain't working you're not playing me what's the point you might as well sell me I might as well go mm. and you know what he said he said no you're not going anywhere are you serious <laughs> so <laughs> so you got me here yeah, you're not just playing taking me a pitch, yeah. and you're not prepared to let me go and they were able to do all that back then yeah so I just went back and I trained yeah. and I trained and all the time I kept on training hard yeah I didn't I, didn't, try, I didn't, yeah. I try not to let it affect me in terms but I would go home and I think how am I going to get myself out of this one because mm. I can't just keep doing this I need to move on but you just got to find a way of keep working hard and keep training and what happened in the end after eight, 18 months I was training with the kids they, the first team was training sort of on the other pitches there. And the first team coach came over to where we were training and he said that the manager wants you to come over and train with them. And that was it. Walked back over, just like that, just training. Didn't, there was no conversation between me and the manager around. Was there like, like any like, the not beef, but like, any tension because obviously you're, you're now playing again yeah. you're speaking on a regular basis well I wouldn't say speaking you can still play with the yeah. manager's giving you instructions yeah. and you just go you out just go and, and play yeah just go and play so. were the team struggling when you came back in um, I don't, you know what I don't re- really remember why why he decided at that point that it was going to he just maybe felt well this that's it it's enough I don't yeah. know I, don't, I can't remember if the team was. I don't think we were really struggling we are just Sort of mid-table. Mm. Um, but funny enough, we went on to win two cups that year. Yeah. When, uh, that was the, the year double. when we won uh, the FA Cup and the, and, uh, and the League, um, Cup. League Cup. Yeah. But yeah, you know, you'll, you'll go through all these these struggles in maybe not to that extent, but yeah. you know, we all have struggles in our work or in different spheres of our life and it's people do things to us that will make us Angry and get us get us riled, um, but yeah, you, you, we all have to find a way of doing it. Like I say, for me, it's just I, I just Maybe. feel that I've had a mental toughness. Yeah, um, don't know where where that where it's okay. come from. I think I have developed it and trained it. I do feel as though you can do all that sort of stuff and, and make yourself um, quite tough and resilient. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what I've used always. Yeah. Just your mental, because we all this, the mental side of all of us is really strong. Yeah. I believe, and it's just tapping into it and believing it. So um, after four hundred and fifty games, eighteen years, what was it like finally leaving the club? How did you find mm-hmm. out you were going to be leaving? I know you had a testimonial. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that like? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's there's two big ones there. So when you've been at any club in football for more than 10 years as a professional yeah 
the club grant you a testimonial. So a testimonial is um, a game that's arranged just for you. The game is arranged between... Well, you, you get people to arrange it for mm. you. Um, and they can go and get a team from wherever. But usually what people do, they get a team that's going to bring a lot of supporters. Because obviously mm. the so proceeds from the money, from the game, goes, goes to, to you. It's like, okay. it's like a big thank you to you as, oh, a, okay. as a player for being there for 10 years. <laughs> so that's, it's like a golden handshake. They used to call yeah. So I got one of those. I was able to get a committee. I have to get, because I'm not supposed to do it myself. So I get people who are going to organise the game mm. and run, you know, run, run, run the testimonial. Basically, um, those people will organise a date for the game. So they organised, my committee organised the game against Celtic, which mm. at the time, Celtic used to bring loads of fans. Mm. Mm. And I think they still do. So yeah. we, we organised the game, or my committee organised the game to be played at Ivory um, against Celtic. And this would have been 1992. And... Um, we we got a big crowd, got a mm. big crowd. So um, it was about thirty five thousand people turned up. Mm. How's that feel to, for to you, pay, basically? Yeah, to pay respect yeah. for me, really. Yeah, no, it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's just really humbling, really, to feel that people turn up just for you to yeah. to, to to pay their respects, and it's like a golden handshake. So the 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 um, Receipts, all the money's from the game goes yeah. to you. Yeah. Obviously, you, you have to pay for policing. All sorts of different kind of things, stuff, yeah. but it's it's just it, it's just a recognition for somebody that's been at a club for ten years, for the fans to say, look, you know, we appreciate you. what you've done. We're going to come and support you on your day, and throughout the and throughout the the actual season, you have events as well. So I had, I had different events. My my committees had golfing days and dinners, okay, and so fans can actually. Come, come and in. pay the respects okay. and stuff like that. So that was my testimonial. So I was grateful for that. I think that kind of, you know, um, else from a financial point of view, yeah. in terms of um, you know, looking after my family yeah. and the comfortable-ish life. Um, and it used to happen a lot more in my day. You don't hear about these testimonials so much now. Yeah. Because... Uh, players don't actually need it yeah. <laughs> you're making um, some stupid money yeah. like but it's funny I don't hear about even lower down divisions I don't hear about oh, it probably okay. goes on because it must do but Makes even sense, like yeah. the lower divisions players um, don't seem to have testimonies maybe maybe the public don't feel players need it now they, just, they probably wouldn't turn up I don't yeah. but if, I, think, I think to be fair to a lot of players that um, have had testimonies recently they have given all the testimony money to, to the charities. charities. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. To be fair to some of those guys, yeah. they've they have got testimonies, but then said they're going to give the money away. So, and what 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 was your so I'm again conscious of time. What was your last game like itself? Like knowing that it's the last time you're going to play oh, right, for Arsenal. Yeah, so yeah. How do you even find out? Yeah, that that was that was a tough time as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, that was in 1995 when I when I realised that the club weren't going to renew my contract. It was coming towards sort of end of the season mm. and no one had spoken to me. And perhaps I, I should have gone and spoken to the club and said, you know, what's going what's on? Going on? But 
the club were going through some turmoil at the time. So George Graham, this manager... Yeah, that was his last year or second to last year. That was year, his right? last year. So listen to this, sir. So this manager that I had all this trouble with, turns out that um, he'd, been, he'd done a transfer deal in the season, but some of the money had gone missing. Okay. <laughs> Boy, that's a bit right. mad. So some of the money had gone missing in the transfer deal... And people asking questions and starting to investigate and blah, blah, blah. And people were looking at the manager saying, well, you're, you knew of this deal. Where, where did some of this money go? And he obviously denied it. Yeah. And it was, it's, big, it's big news. It's like, you know, on the news, news at 10 and stuff like that. Anyway, it turns out that he did take some of the money. Crazy. So once, once, once that was proven, his job was then... Yeah, he had to go. So he got sacked. Mm. Got sacked um, in 1995. So the club were in a bit of turmoil the season, yeah. the season that I left. Um, and, and so that's another thing with sport, with our with our industry is that you know it's so it's so fickle. You know we had a situation where we didn't have a manager really. We had a caretaker manager, yeah. but people's contracts were coming up. Yeah. So who makes those kind of decisions? Yeah. Yeah. So I was in that situation. My contract was coming up. We didn't have a manager. So who's going to decide whether I get contract? Yeah. So it was kind of it was a funny, it was a it was funny, space. strange one. But in, a, in the end, they decided not to sign, uh, offer me a contract. And so I was like, wow, this is. Um, I've been here eighteen years, and yeah. where am I going to go now? What yeah. am I going to do now? So that was a tough, tough time, and. Um, it was a hard time. I had a young family, um, the two boys who were um, just really small. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to take them to any. I, I was, I was born in London. I was yeah. London and I wanted to live in and around London, so I didn't want to go anywhere else. But, but it turned out that I got a couple of offers from uh, a smaller clubs, so Brentford. Yeah. Offered, and then Southampton was a little bit further away, but they they were also interested in signing me. I chose Brentford in the end, but it was a bad move. Yeah, it was a bad move. It didn't work out. I was there for a year and a half, and from going from Arsenal to Brentford back yeah. then, <laughs> it's like yeah. um, it's just a different world. It just just didn't work. So yeah, I wasn't at Brentford for more than a year and a half, and then after that, I thought. You know what? I can't. If this is the sort of standard where I'm going to be playing, I can't. Yeah, I just can't do it. Yeah. And then I, I retired from it. Retire on top. I went into yeah, try and retire on top. Uh, but then I went into after that, I went yeah. into coaching. So I was, I was, I was just about to ask about that. Like, obviously, so you went right, right, right back to Arsenal, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. coach, coaching the year. Yeah. Um, what was that like? Um, and then also, which like top footballers? That we'd know of now, um, did you co- or okay. did you coach? Yeah. yeah, and who would you say has been the most successful out of all the players that you've coached as well? Okay, yeah. So once I, I retired, um, I got a phone call from Arsenal. Yeah. Um, probably about two or three weeks after retiring, asking if I'd be interested in coming back as a coach. Yeah. So I said, "Yeah, well, that sounds good. I'd love yeah. to come back as a coach." <laughs> so. They, they said come in and we'll have a chat and uh, we'll see you know see what we can do so 
I went in, had a chat with Arsenal, and they said, look, we want you to work with some of the younger kids, 13 years of age, 14 years of age, and just coach them on a part-time basis. It wasn't a, it wasn't a full-time role. It was mm-hmm. two days a week. So I said, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I'm not doing anything now. I, I want to get back in yeah. football. And you've got to remember, even when I was playing as a, as a player, I was always interested in coaching. Mm-hmm. I'd always I'd done my coaching badges even when oh, I was okay. playing. So it wasn't, it wasn't just... Yeah, it wasn't just decided. Just, I, wasn't yeah, yeah. I was interested even... From early, before, yeah. yeah, from earlier age. So I um, went to meet Arsenal. They, they said what they'd like me to do and started working. I really, really enjoyed the coaching. I really, um, really got a lot from it and I felt the players got a lot from it. The other thing to remember as well was when I was playing, when I was at Arsenal playing, and because I come through the youth setup, I yeah. knew all about the club. Yeah. I, knew, I knew all about the um, the younger players, and um, I, when I was playing, a lot of the younger players used to come to me mm. and ask me, you know, yeah. for advice. Yeah. Um, um, people like Andy Cole. Yeah. Andy Cole was, you know, Andy Cole, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And Nicole started at Arsenal. Hmm. I didn't kid. even know that. Yeah. yeah, he did too. Yeah, yeah. He, started, he, he knows what I'm saying. He's yeah. from like Nottingham or something though, right? Initially, yeah. yeah. Initially, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting with Andy because Andy was a kid at Arsenal when I was in the first team. Yeah. And the same, this, funny enough, everything came back to the same manager. And Andy Cole had trouble with the same manager, George Graham. Graham. So I remember George Graham coming to me when Andy was, Andy was a good, good young player. He was maybe about 18 and um, he had a lot of talent, but he was he was single-minded, very single-minded. And um, but if Andy didn't like somebody, they would probably know about it more. Okay. And um, or you couldn't perhaps read Andy. He wouldn't he wouldn't yeah. give any signals off whether he liked the person or not. Um, but the manager couldn't really handle Andy. He didn't know how to kind of get the best out of him, mm. didn't know how to talk to him, mm. didn't understand him, his, his, his culture and his feeling yeah. about him. So, so um, uh, the manager at the time asked me if I could speak to Andy about, you know, his, his attitude. Because Andy, it's just how he is. He's just, he's just, he's, he's not a loner, but he likes being on his own. Okay. And, you know, that's okay. He's quieter yeah. and yeah, that's yeah. fine. But, in 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 our industry, if you're not part, of, if you don't want to be part of the group, then people don't feel feel uncomfortable. Yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. So, but there's nothing wrong with it. It's yeah, just that, that's how it is. That's how it's, just, is yeah. Yeah. it's it's up to the group to recognise that and say, okay, that's cool. If he wants to come, he comes. If he doesn't, he doesn't. Yeah. It's, it's so, but they used to put it on Andy's. You know, put the put, put the problem on Andy yeah. when. Probably they could take some of the yeah. share of the blame as well, if you know. Well, definitely. I mean, like Andy Cole's another legend, isn't it? So yeah. So anyway, he had this big issue with George Graham at the time, mm. where George didn't understand him, and Andy didn't understand George, and I was kind of in the middle. The mediator. Yeah, trying to mediate. So I did speak to Andy, but I kind of knew that Andy wasn't going to change. Yeah. Um, even at that younger age, he wasn't going to be something that he wasn't. And in the end, anyway, Andy's career at Arsenal didn't didn't really take off. Mm. I don't think he played any games for Arsenal. He went 
he went on loan and then he went to Newcastle and then he went to Man United mm. where he made his name. Um, so, you know, I, I was, and I was always, Michael Thomas would come to me and mm. uh, ask for advice and Dave Rodecastle. So all the younger guys yeah. would come through. I suppose they saw me as their role model because yeah, I was in the team. Was you were that, yeah. I come from sort of same sort of surrounding mm. areas and they wanted to get there and I kind of, I wanted because I always feel that you got to help. You got to help. People. Yeah, definitely. You know, I'm here today because yeah, I was about to say yeah, that's testament to thing, yeah. I think. It's you know, you got to try and help the next lot of people if you can. You can't just get to a certain level and just look back. And yeah, think, oh, I can't do anything else. But and that's been my, my mindset for for from whatever. You know, it's, you just got to. It's hard for people. Yeah. Um, um, it's harder for black people. Yeah, let's, definitely. Let's get straight. So you have to really try to look after and support each other as best we can because it's it's not it's not a level playing field. Yeah, time. not at all. Um, not so at all. I um I, I've always been of that mindset. So when, coming back to Arsenal as a as a coach, as a coach helping yeah. younger players, you know, was was really something that I wanted to do. So one of the first uh, young players that I started working with was a guy called Ashley Cole. Oh, so I know. At 13. And that Ashley Cole. <laughs> so, Definite Premier League player. So then, he's I, come back to, he's playing for Derby. Derby, yeah, for Derby, yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, so, again, he was another, um, he's a London, it was Nottingham, but he was living down in London. Again, just another quiet, he's quiet, he's quiet guy. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I helped him develop coach. early on, and then the Fabrice Moramba. Yeah, yeah, he started off at Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. And I was coaching him when he was twelve, thirteen. So I'd say those two would be the ones that I would say, uh, you know, I've I've had an input in their early development. Yeah. Obviously, they've had to go on after. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. But um, I knew their character from when they from when, when they, they were young. young, and I think I think when you're young, you need you. That's when you need the best coaches. Yeah, I can imagine. Because yeah. you, when you're young, you're just so you're so unsure about yourself, and you need somebody that's going to give you that support and that kind of yeah, um, that confidence, uh, the confidence to to do what you got to do. So I think whoever you got around you when you're young is really really important. So I was happy doing that, but then I felt after seven years I wanted a change from that mm. and um, unfortunately I couldn't see a change happening at Arsenal I couldn't see it materialising I couldn't see where I was going to go on to the next yeah. step um, and I I wasn't too sure why that was why that was happening mm. um, so I left. Um, um, and so, this, I mean, this story can go one or two ways. You can go into a long story, you can go into a short story. I left because I felt that there was people going ahead of me mm. in the coaching that I felt. I looked at it and I think, well, that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you know. And two, two years later, and then, how can that happen? So it just is a regular pattern. Happening, yeah. So... 
you know, you kind of have to make some decisions when <coughs> things are happening and they're not going your way. Um, so I decided to leave, yeah. uh, which is a tough, tough call. I could imagine. Um, at this point, what, it's like 20, 25 yeah. years now with yeah. Arsenal, essentially. Yeah. 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 So it's my club. I've been there so long, but things are going on within it out. that don't look right, don't feel right. Um, but people say, you know, people say, people from outside say you got, you got, you got to push, you got to take, make a claim, and you got to do this, you mm. got, you got to take them to court because some of the stuff was legally okay, not like right the way it was being done. Um, so I had a, and I, you know, I, I reflect on it at the time, I reflect on it now, and I think. I, I don't want to. I don't want to go down that road. You don't want to go down there. Yeah, I, I don't want to go down that road. I could take the club that I supported as a kid yeah. and played for for so many years yeah. to court over uh, procedures and yeah. the way things are done. Um, so I didn't want to. Do, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So I left, and then I kind of fell into the coaching side. Yeah. So okay. I left Arsenal, went to Professional Footballers Association. Yeah. Yep. PFA. And started doing uh, coach education work, which yeah. is what I'm doing now. So yeah, and that's how you know Yasser, right? Yasser, yeah. yeah. So basically, I'm I'm a fully qualified coach. I can coach anywhere in the world with yeah. qualifications, but also I'm a qualified teacher yeah. of coaching. Yeah. So, and I'm I'm qualified to teach at the highest level of coaching. Mm. So I can teach people like. Um, uh, any of these guys that are finishing the side. At the moment, we've got people like Frank Lampard on, on, mm. on our courses, mm. called, um, Michael Carrot. Yeah. yeah. So we're teaching them guys the how coach to coach. Coaches. So coaching the coaches. So it's kind sick. of. Yeah, you're tripping. Yeah, yeah, That's proper sick. Sort of a university lecturer. Yeah. Uh, you're teaching people how to teach the game. Yeah. So, it's, so I thought, you know, if. I, I ended up not trusting the coaching system itself in terms of mm. me working my way and getting and free, opportunities. Yeah. I didn't yeah. trust the system, so I left that and went into coach education, which I felt more comfortable in terms of... There's still, still issues there, mm. but I felt more comfortable there, but that's where I've stayed. Mm. Um, but the old coaching, managing thing, black players coming mm. out of finishing into coaching managing is, is such a big area so much yeah Sol's very Sol Campbell's been very vocal about it himself yeah, yeah. Um, and we hear about it a lot so yeah. I don't know yeah. how you guys follow this sort of stuff that goes on yeah yeah. it's you know there's it, a lot going on there and you know I've, obviously I, I'm, I'm in it and I've been a part of it so I continue to follow what's going on with people like Sol Campbell mm. and um who else would it be? People like Dwight York, mm. um, um, and Andy Cole. Anyone that's finishing or has finished, yeah. of you know, black, uh, black player footballing career. Always watch and see mm. what happens because I've been there. I've seen where they. Yeah, you've seen what happens. Yeah, and I see the same distrust. Yeah, that I kind of Had. felt and, and lack of confidence in the system that they're going to get a fair opportunity yeah um, but the tough thing about all of this is that 
if you make a claim, you you've got to make sure that the that is watertight. Yeah, because yeah. if not, then you're 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 screwing this off. Absolutely, you're screwing this off. And 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 these things are very very hard to prove to prove. Mm. And, and yeah, that's that's been a big topic of discussion actually in terms of on this podcast, because yeah. um, I guess th- there's this re- recurring thing that in in the UK, not clearly not so much that when you were playing, uh, certainly in your earlier days, but racism here is not overt. People don't come out and say stuff to your face. It's really subtle, and when it's really subtle, it's, it's really difficult to tackle. It's really difficult to and Sol Campbell will come out and say what he's got to say, or Sterling will come out and say what he's got, got to say. And everyone gets onto them because it, it, it's these it's these like minute um, nuances mm. that you can't really easily shine a light on. Mm. But if you're on the receiving end, you can definitely feel and see. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, it's true. And I, I kind of, you know, I, I get I know Soul. Yeah, I've, I didn't play with him, but yeah. I've known him obviously for the coaching. Stuff. Yeah, I've spoken to him around coaching. I saw him a few weeks ago up at um, St George's Park, is where is where I work out. Of. Yeah, fair so fair, I've yeah. seen him up there, um, and I get I get where Soul's coming from, and we all we all deal with things differently. Yeah, and Soul and I would deal with things in a slightly different way. Yeah, both we're both from the same in the same. You place. know, you both know what it is. Both, yeah, yeah both you both know what it is. Similar experiences. Um, so. It'd be interesting. I mean, how do you guys deal with racism? Or do you get racism? How do you... I mean, it's different for us mm. in terms of experience, older guys. Do you get it? How does it work? I was going to say, I think in living in London, we've been quite sheltered because there's so much diversity here. The only time I've ever come across racism or anything like that is when I've left London. Mm. So, more mm. where my grandma lives some village near Birmingham <laughs> or, yeah, or where I go to this place on holiday quite a lot of people from like north of England yeah. north of the UK come that's where that's I've, where you feel it yeah even, you, but even, even in London like I, I know growing up there's certain spots in London that I'm just yeah. like going to like lots of like South London Kent area like it's not so bad now but Elton uh, Crayford, Dartford, like them type of areas back in the day. Even like where we grew up, like Burnt Oak in northwest London, there was some. If you see an England flag hanging out of the side of someone's yeah, yeah. Um, yard, you, you, that is, that's just a sign, and it? it's a signal. Um, then I got I got family in that uh, rather high Surrey Keys area, and again we know about Millwall. Know not to come out when they're playing yeah. and that type of stuff. I mean, it's not so bad now, but even as a kid. But again, going back to and it's it's exactly what you're talking about. And I've sp- spoken about this on the podcast. I know in school, a lot. I felt the racism, mm-hmm. but I can't. Again, I can't. I can't say you're doing it to me because I'm black. It's like indirect. But yes, yeah, yeah. indirect. Mm-hmm. And again, because it's indirect, there's not so much you can mm-hmm. really do about it. You, you just end up in your feelings, mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. I know. Um, one of one of I boys, well, one of my guys as well. Um, if I just. Uh, was part of a newspaper article, mm. uh, I think in the Guardian, talking about how um, how black players are described, um, you know, beasts or powerful or strong. It's always these metaphors, mm-hmm. never finesse or technique or anything like that. Um, so we're definitely still seeing it today, but in terms of how to combat it, um, it's difficult. I mean, this podcast is a big reason, a big part of that almost to celebrate what we have. Mm. Um, Mm. not just for our community it's very much for our community but it's also for people outside of the community to actually hear 
what it is because as 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 you or anybody else is talking about our oh, racism back in the day or racism now it's an abstract concept to them um but hearing you speak about very real situations where you've got forty thousand fans booing you every time you touch the ball um that brings that brings it to life if that makes any sense so mm-hmm. so, okay. about, so about you guys yeah oh, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No. no, not really. Not really. No. I mean, it's more of like the prejudice from like the police or something like that. Yeah, like being in a car or something mm. with yeah. your friends, but not really anything direct. Mm. Where, yeah, that's the thing. I think most things nowadays are indirect, mm. and because it's indirect, you can't just mm. be like, yeah, you can't just be like, you're just yeah, yeah. yeah. boy, you cries wolf all the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's it is such a difficult subject, isn't it? It's such a difficult thing for people to to bring up and even talk about. Yeah. I mean, so, because we, we've had similar experiences, you know. I've, I'm sure some of my experiences are similar to what you've had. I, I've been in, maybe, and I agree, it has, um, it's changed because there's more culture and more, more diversity mm. now than back when I was coming, coming through, mm. um, particularly in London. Um, but I, I've, I've experienced what, what you were saying about People from other parts of the country, you know. I mean, that's yeah. That's just where I've noticed it more. And I'm even a girl. Like I know it's a lot worse for like young black men. Mm. Mm. Yeah. How about yourself? How do you do? How do you? Um, do you not experience? No, I've had experienced it. Um, I experienced it probably a lot more when I was younger. So I think maybe as as time goes on, it becomes more less socially acceptable. And also, as I've grown, I've become. Like now I'm a man, I'm more likely to be able to retaliate. So I won't get like the di- the direct, like in certain areas I have, but that's when like people are in cars, so they can shout stuff yeah. in cars and drive that's off. Crazy. Or if they're in groups, but then realistically, cause I'm quite a tall guy, so it's less likely they're gonna say it to me. Like yeah. maybe when I'm in a chicken shop. But in terms of how I deal with like racism, and when I get like that type of like outburst from somebody. I kind of more ignore it because I'm just thinking, yeah, you're just a coward. Like, you'll never say that to me. So that's really bother me. Mm-hmm. Like, racism doesn't really bother me. It more bothers me when I see it happen to other people mm-hmm. or, or like a hampering of opportunities. Mm-hmm. But like in like, the workplace and stuff like that, when it's a bit more indirect, mm-hmm. I just make the perpetrator feel really uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I ask them like loads of questions <laughs> like, so why did you do this? Why did you say this? Mm-hmm. Just to me, but not to X, Y, and Z to make it. So I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because of this, you're, but you're not digging, directly? Yeah, so I'm kind of like putting the kind of shine a spotlight back on them. Yeah. But I'm naturally a more confrontational person. You sound a lot more relaxed than I am. But um, I feel like in some situations, I just kind of ignore it because sometimes some people are just just um, as you said, like some people are just really ignorant. But if it's like a potential that can kind of damage like opportunity or my progression at work. Yeah. I'll, I'll be more likely to challenge it. And I get on Twitter all the time when I'm talking about yeah. uh, what happened to Sterling or Pogba. I get like a lot of people just saying stuff, now. mainly yeah, Chelsea fans, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> I just, I was like, oh, another Chelsea fan shot Cora. <laughs> so I, just, I kind of like threw it back in there, type of face, type yeah. of thing. But yeah, it's, it's, a, bit, it's a shame. Yeah, but. yeah no, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely out there and it's something that we, we face, you know, almost, yeah. almost, almost every day. And I think. Um, it's something that I've always been aware of. I've got two young, I've got two young men now, as, mm. as, as boys, young boys, young men, um, and they're going through similar sort of things, and they got to find a way. We all got to try and find mm. a way of 
dealing with all these situations, but still try and move on. Yeah, still progress. Was. Yeah, um, and it's 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 not easy because um, it's you got to navigate as you were saying. You got to navigate each situation as you see is right at that time. Mm, yeah. So you know, people shouting from a car and there's three three or four of them in the car. You know, you got you got to decide. Whereas another situation, the one-on-one situation at work, or yeah, you can then decide, you, you can know, be more confrontational. You just got to see it, the situation and make a decision on how you're going to deal with it. Yeah. All right. So I've just got two last questions. I'll bang them out quickly. Yeah. The first one: What's next? What's next for Paul Davis? Next for me is um, I've got like I said, I've got two. Sons who I want to make sure have got the support, mm. uh, <coughs> encouragement to go on, and the confidence to to go and do what they want to do. Mm. So I want to be there for them for that. Mm. Um, I think that's and not having had it for myself. I mm. think it's important. I've always felt that. Yeah. You know the, the, the father-son relationship is a big one for for particularly black. Yeah, father son relationships are really, really important. So I see that as a big, big thing for me yeah. to be able to give that support to my two boys. Yeah, um, one's twenty-two. Well, I say they're boys; they're young men. One's yeah. twenty-four. So mm-hmm. okay, and they're going through different things that they're experiencing, and, um, and hopefully I can support them and give them the confidence to do mm. that. And then. Um, you know, just whenever I can supporting people, so I'm here today yeah. supporting what you're Much doing. Much appreciated for you coming down. No, mm-hmm. my pleasure. I've enjoyed it. And then my work, um, getting my work done, getting better at what I do. Mm. Um, yeah, that's me. Sorry, Dominique. Yeah. I was, what do you think of like Arsenal right now? <laughs> and like the whole thing about like our defence and everything, and not being able to like afford players and just loaning players and not having yeah. enough money. Yeah, it seems a strange one. I'm a bit disappointed that they're not spending any yeah, of the, all of that money they got. Yeah, they got a lot, a whole lot of money back there. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with the finances, but the money's there. They're not spending it, and they're not, if they're not spending the money, they're going to just stay with their yeah. wife and drop mm-hmm. back. The manager, I think, is is a good manager. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's done a good job. Do you think it's the board like Cronky? Or, um, has to be the board. Yeah. yeah, it has to be the board. They're, they're you know. And I feel for the fans because the fans were told about 10 years ago that at this point... Go to the Emirates. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to the Emirates. We'll pay for the Emirates and we'll guarantee we'll be challenging Mm. at the top for everything. Mm. And they haven't lived up to that. Mm. We're not doing that. So the fans, those fans that can remember that, and I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of fans that can remember that. It's only about, say, eight to 10 years ago, that's what the club said. Mm. And look where we are. We're nowhere near challenging. Most and they said we'd be, this, the club said we'd be buying players. We're not buying players. We said we'd be challenging up there. We're not challenging up there. And the fans have... Every, and they're paying top money. Yeah. Yeah. Season so, six. Season six. So fans... I can't blame the manager because he's, he's doing what he can with what he's got. And I think he's done a, a, a decent, decent job. Mm. There's some players there, but... You know, we're very lucky to be at a club yeah. like Arsenal. But it's going to take him a while. And if he gets the, the financial backing from the club, I, I think that he's got it. Take it yeah, yeah. Him to take it to the next yeah. step. But I was disappointed this 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 uh, January window that the club are not 
spending anything. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. I was shocked. So, um, Very shocked. Yeah, it's um, it's going to be a sort of tricky time for the club, but you know they can come for it. But it's going to take them a, a good little while, I think. Mm. And then the very last question, it's mm-hmm. a two-part question. Obviously, you're, you're in a room full of millennials, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. um, and the vast majority... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the, the vast majority of our listeners are millennials as mm-hmm. well. We ask all our guests uh, these two questions. The first, if you could go back to yourself at 25, what advice would you give yourself? And then the second question is, what's your... So that's just to yourself. And the next question is just to the millennials listening, what's the advice you'd give us? I suppose it'd be the same, the same advice, really. If, mm. I, if I'm happy to give it to myself, I'd be happy to give it to mm. somebody else. So I think it, this, the one thing is is that you have to you have to find a way to build yourself up somehow, or some way, because there's it's always things chipping away at you to bring you down. Mm. It's always, if it's not lose, it's walking into a shop and someone looking at you kind of like you're going to steal something yeah, funny, yeah. it's not that it's something else there's always something like chipping away at your psyche at your confidence at your your well-being mm. and I think you just need to recognise that if you can recognise it then you can deal with it mm. but if you, if you feel if you don't recognise that things are being chipped away at you before you know it there's nothing left for you you've been yeah. chipped away at yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying mm. so just the recognition that it's tough. There are people that are going to make it difficult for you. That life is, you know, there are a lot of negative things around in terms of news and people trying to trying to bring you down or trying to make you smaller. Once you recognise it, uh, you can deal with it. And mm. I think that that is the thing for me. Just recognise what's going around, what's happening around you. Mm. Um, deal with it, but deal with it obviously in a positive way. Yeah. And. Um, you know, you'll 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 find a way of dealing with all what comes your way as you get older and you get more. Um, you go through more stuff. Um, I think uh, the other thing for me is you have to learn from what happens. From you know, so I I try often to to use what's happened to me to kind of just make me stronger and better mm. going forward. And you have to... Don't forget what's happened. Mm. You know, you've got to use what's happened to kind of make you stronger to go forward again, if that all makes yeah, sense. Yeah, definitely. So that, you know, it's nothing more than that, really. It's, it's, it's that. Um, I've try if you can, to have good people around you. Mm. Even if it's just one or two, you don't need that many. Mm. One or two good people that you can... You know, just run some ideas across or feel comfortable. I would say, you know, too many people around you is, I don't know, everyone's different, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, just have some good people around you that mm-hmm. you can kind of trust and feel that um, they're going give to you, give you the best that's for you. Mm-hmm. That would be it. Well, thank you so much for coming thank down. You. I really appreciate it. Um, I mean, I say this all the time. My guests are probably tired of me. I mean, not my guests, my, my listeners are probably tired of me saying it, but it's really great to hear from... I think millennials, we have a tendency to talk amongst ourselves about our own issues, about our own successes, about our own... Every, everything's just a conversation with us, kind of forgetting that 
there's there's a whole heap of people that came before us, um, have have paved the way, have have dealt with a lot of stuff so that we don't have to. Um, you know, especially what that what you were saying about in terms of racism you were dealing with um on the pitch. Um, you know, you, you kinda took those stripes for for our generation and that's something that we often take for granted. So um it really is like a an honour really to, to to have you come down, take time out of your Sunday, talk to us. Um well, can I say it's, it's a it's a good. I think it's it's a good thing that you're doing. It's a great idea. Yeah. I think it, it's um, something that um, should be jumped upon, really, because if you know you've got a generation of people that have been through something, yeah, that can help exactly, yeah, the next generation. And unfortunately, my generation just talks amongst ourselves, and we never actually reach out <laughs> to hear what you've got to say. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I'm, I'm glad that I can provide this platform yeah. um, for people to hear and listen. So, once again, thank you so much for coming down. Thank you, guys. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Take care, peoples. Thanks for listening.